Genesis chapter 24 tonight. Uh, church family, I want to talk to you about uh, this particular passage. It's talking about a bride for Isaac. And I want to talk to you for a little bit about um, yeah, a combination of things tonight, probably marriage, uh, a little bit maybe of courting, and, uh, or as far as uh, coming to that person, as far as you're going to marry. You know, um, most of the messages that I preach are more exhortive, uh, I feel like, and, but there's sometimes I, uh, the Lord leads in this direction. I want to kind of teach and preach a little bit on this chapter. It's a longer chapter. Uh, of Genesis chapter 24. There's 67 verses, and I don't know that we'll read all of them tonight. But the, you know, it's hard to find a passage um, of Scripture that kind of walks through exactly what uh, we go through in life. All right? and for instance, tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, as far as finding that person that you're going to marry. And by the way, fellas, uh, the girl is not supposed to be doing the hunting. All righty? The Bible says, for whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. That means the fellows should be the one looking uh, and girls, I'm sorry, you know, I know that you'd like to find one yourself, but uh, God always gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. So trust him and, and he'll come through. And so, but anyway, tonight, uh, there, sometimes there's not a passage that walks us through um, different things that we would look for, whether it be financial or physical or even spiritual in this situation as far as a marriage uh, partner. But this, to me, is the closest chapter that you can walk through that you're going to come up with several principles as far as um, finding a, a mate for life. Now, church, I know that we have all different ages in um, the service tonight, and so don't turn me off because you're 70 or you're single or a thousand other reasons. Uh, God's word's good for all of us, all right? So again, stay with me tonight. The Lord will have something uh, for us tonight. But I want to talk about the bride, a bride for Isaac. You know, um, <clears throat> my grandfather, uh, got, when he got saved, uh, he had, his children were already uh, junior high, I'm going to guess, but they were getting close to that teenage. So my father would have been uh, close to those teen years, if I remember correctly, when his father got saved, okay? And then my father was raised in the public school. I mean, he went to public school. Now, he took his Bible to school. The stories about my father were kind of interesting as far as when he was in school, going to the public school. And then my dad became a preacher, surrendered um, to God's call. And then, of course, he pastored uh, there for those 33 years in Sauk Village. But um, dad... Uh, he probably would not have done everything to your approval and maybe even to my expectation as far as how he raised us in our life. And I'll give you some for instances, okay? When we were growing up, we had every year a teen Valentine banquet. Now, if you've been with me for any length of time, we have never had a teen Valentine banquet here. And the purpose of that is, is I don't want to promote the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, all right? And that's just me. I figure, now this is me again, uh, I figure you've got to get done with high school because you're not even to marrying age unless you're done with high school. All right? Now, I can't dictate for your family if your mom and dad want you to get married at 14. We need to pray for your mother and father, all right? Um, but I just, in my, mentally speak, in my mind, I'm just thinking, okay, I'm not going to promote the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship at church uh, because number one, you're not the age to be married yet, and you start that too soon, and then what happens is kids get in trouble. And so I don't. We've never had a teen Valentine banquet, all right? And I've always had adult Valentine banquets, and uh, and I will say this too: you, know, you most of, I mean, many of you for years. I'm not against boys liking girls and girls liking boys. I think that's pretty good thinking. All righty, we don't want the opposite of that. All righty, uh, so. You know, we look, we get, sometimes we get on our kids for liking the opposite gender, and I'm thinking, that's what they're supposed to do, all right? And so, you know, when they get to that, and, and, and all of us are different. Our, our physical makeup is different. 
Our families are different. Our generational, I call them generational sins, but are, there's things in our life that are different. You know, some of the, these young people start liking the opposite gender without any help at age 13, some at 12, around 14, 15, around 16, they stop throwing rocks at girls for sure. So they have a tendency. Uh, and so, you know, as independent Baptists, we've got to be careful that we don't put such a stranglehold on our children as if they're sinning because they like somebody. That's not wrong to like somebody, all right? If your 16-year-old think girls are pretty, thank God they think they're pretty and not boys are pretty, all right? So anyway, with all of that said tonight, I wanna look at um, A Bride for Isaac. There are several principles and more than three. I wanna go through this chapter as, much, as quickly as possible tonight. And I wanna talk to you for a little bit about how God brought a bride to Isaac. Now, church, before I get running this, this evening, Think about the patriarchs for just a moment. The three patriarchs was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all right? Abraham had two wives. He should have never taken Hagar while he was married to Sarah. Jacob had four, two wives and two concubines, and he did not do right either. And even though they were before the Mosaic law, God said from the beginning it was not so, all right? Isaac is the only patriarch that had one wife. So obviously he did something right as far as, and God again orchestrated this, he did something right because he was married to one woman for life, all right? And again, I'm not going to dwell on this, uh, dwell on this point of it, but can I just say again, and it's healthy for us to say it from the pulpit, that God meant for one man, for one woman for life, all right? And we have several of you in the auditorium this morning, either because of before salvation or because of things that have happened in your life, that they, they were not what you, you would choose and if you had to do it over again, but never get to a place that you don't want the preacher to talk about, hey, listen, we want our kids to be pure at the marriage altar and we want them to marry and stay married, all right? Adultery is wrong, fornication is wrong, divorce is wrong, and even though we might have scars of sin in our life, we want this next generation growing up to hear regularly what God's will is for their life when it comes to morality. All right. Are we all together so far? Amen. All right. I know you are, and I know sometimes it's kind of touchy, and you can't change the past, but you sure can build on the future. Amen? Now, let's look at a few verses together, and we'll run for a few moments tonight. Genesis chapter 24, look at verse number 1. Genesis 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land uh, from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither, uh, thither again. Uh, verse 7, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this thy, my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. All right, interesting, uh, different message, really. But Abraham's just simply said, I don't want a wife for my son Isaac here. And I don't want my son going back there. And again, there's some principles of not going back there. But I want to talk to you tonight, again, about a bride for Isaac. And again, hopefully this will be a help to all of us tonight. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you again for letting us be in church. Uh, Father, again, give extreme liberty tonight. Uh, Father, bring to mind the things you once said. Strike from my mind the things you don't want said. Lord, may we lift you up tonight. You have a plan. 
and you have a purpose. And Father, sometimes we don't like that plan or the purpose. Lord, help the, from the youngest person here to the oldest person in here. May we not uh, make our belief system based upon our lives or our own experience. May, we, may our belief system be upon the word of God and your word. And Lord, help us to, again to take the principles of Genesis 24 and make some application. May there be some young people tonight, Father, that would say, my life is yours, my body is yours. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait for your appointed person. And Lord, may you again, may your will be done there. Now, Father, help us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, I want to just give out several principles tonight. And again, I'm, it might sound a little bit maybe teachy tonight, but I want to go through this idea of this bride for Isaac. We know the story. Abraham, of course, he gets his servant. He tells his servant, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to my, my country where my kindred are, and I want you to find me a bride. I want you to bring that bride back. And you can imagine the, the, the servant looking at Abraham saying, hey, wait a second, Abraham. I'm going to go get a woman who's never met your son to come marry your son and be with him for a lifetime. How is that going to happen? And Abraham says, hey, listen, God knows where you're going and God can do, uh, do for me by preparing that woman to bring her back. Now, we understand that Old Testament picture here in the New Testament, uh, really the showing of what's going on in the New Testament. Abraham, a picture of God the Father. Isaac is a picture of God the Son. The unnamed servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And Rebecca is a picture of the Bride of Christ. And we understand that the, the, the New Testament picture of all that, on that we're the Bride of Christ. And you got saved because there was an unnamed servant called the Holy Spirit who drew you to God. And you're going to be one day standing with the groom, which is Jesus Christ, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we are going to be married and we're going to be forever with God. What a wonderful picture in Genesis 24. But there's also some principles here as far as finding a mate. Now, I want to quickly say a couple statements and I'm going to run tonight with these, these few things tonight. But how many is glad today that your parents do not pick out your mate for you? Somebody say amen. All righty. Some of you, as bad as you are to your parents, if they were picking your mate, you are going to get this woman with this wart on the end of her nose and has ears that look like elephant ears. That's what they're going to pick out for you because you're not a very good kid. So just be thankful that they still don't pick them out for you today, all right? But in this story here, um, I, we'll walk through it, but can I just kind of get, get the picture in your mind? So the servant leaves Abraham, and he leaves Abraham, and the servant goes into, the, into this country uh, uh, to where his kindred uh, is. And then he stops by this well, and he's praying. Now, again, I'm summarizing the story, and we'll read some verses. But he, start, he, he, he stops, the Bible says, by this well, and he begins to pray and says, Okay, God, my uh, master Abraham sent me here. I'm asking you to bring a woman along to offer me a drink and not only offer me a drink, but offer a drink to all my camels. And as soon as he gets done praying, who comes down the lane except for Rebecca? And now Rebecca draws the water. He's waiting to see what happens. And then she starts to leave and he says, hey, can, can I have a drink? And she says, yes, I'll give you a drink and I'll get drinks. I'll, I'll, I'll water your camels also. So exactly what he prayed happens. He's excited. The unnamed servant is excited because he's already prayed and he's had an answer to his, his prayer. And so he says to, the, to Rebecca, Rebecca, do you live far from here? And where are you from? Who are you? Who are you? And she explains all that. And again, I know I'm just paraphrasing the story tonight. So then the servant goes to her house, all right? Bethuel, if I'm saying it correctly without looking at it, but it's Bethuel, I believe, is her father and Laban was her brother. They go into the house there, and he says, now, when he gets there, he says, now, uh, before we eat anything, I have to tell you my errand. He says, my errand is, is my master Abraham, who's been blessed by God in all things, has sent me to get a bride for his son Isaac. And I just want you to know that I was standing by the well, and I asked God that the woman would come, that I would ask for a drink, and she would offer a drink not only to me and for my camels, that she'd be the one. And I just want to tell you that's exactly what happened. Rebecca offered me a drink, and she gave water to the camels. 
They're listening to all this, and Bethuel, her father, says, hey, listen, it's of the Lord. Now think about this. The next day, Rebekah leaves with that unnamed servant and goes back to Abraham to where, and meets Isaac and, of course, marries Isaac. Now, all of our stories about who we married and how we married are not that drastic, all righty? Thankfully, you did not all of a sudden not meet the person, you know, blind date, blind marriage. We're just going to come marry whoever he ever is. You didn't have that happen if you're married. Hopefully you didn't have that when you got married. You got to know the person. In our day and age, what they call dating, uh, if worldly dating is when two people go out by themselves and they have an appointed time together. That's what a date is. They go out. Now, Christian, what we consider Christian dating is uh, got really two definitions. Christian dating in a lot of churches is two teenage couples go out because teenagers never tell on each other and are very trustworthy. <laughs> and they go out together and they behave themselves like Christians because they know that they're before God and they don't want to displease the Lord. Now that's one style of dating. The other style of dating that we refer to is that a young couple come together and they uh, go out with their parents, or in our situation with the college, they can go out with a, a staff couple, but it's another adult couple that's gonna keep them accountable. Now, that word dating is not a bad word. I think there, some of you might here might think that's a bad word, but dating is not a bad word. It just means to come together at a particular time uh, to be together. Now, this week, um, Landon and uh, Cassandra are gonna get married on Saturday. They came to this college here. They have had a lot of time, what we would call, they would call dating. They've been in classes together. They've eaten meals together here at the college. Uh, they have gone out with their mother and father. They have gone out with Landon's mother and father, they, or parents. They've gone out and they have got to know each other. They have gone through marriage counseling. I met with me three different times. Uh, things, that, and things to prepare for, things to think about. We've gone through all of that. So on Saturday, when they come down to get married at the marriage altar, uh, it's not like they don't, per se, know each other. Now, how many's figured out that once you marry somebody, you really get to know each other? Things that you would have never thought of, all right? The man alive just never thought that that was, uh, yeah, I mean, just on and on, all the spectrum of marriage. But a lot of times you think you know somebody until you get married to them, then you really get to know somebody. Can you imagine Rebecca never met Isaac? But yet, God brought them together. Now, quickly, let me give you some principles that I want you to think about tonight as far as um, a marriage and as far as God bringing them together. Principle number one, think about this. I've already read verses one through eight, so I'm not going to read them again. But I want you to notice in verses, really, verses one through nine, there was parental involvement. There was parental involvement. In other words, Abraham is the one that sent the servant to go find a bride. But you're saying, we are not that extreme to say, okay, I'm going to send somebody to bring someone to marry my, my daughter that she, or, or son that they've never met before. We don't do that. But can I tell you the principle that I think we can see here is there was parental involvement in this relationship. You know, we've got young people today that think they know more than their mom and dad, and they don't need their mom and dad's advice. Young people, you better listen to me for a second here. You are looking through eyes of youth. You are not looking through eyes of experience or age. And God's given you a mother and father that can see things that you cannot see. When you see that girl as a young fella, you see that girl, she's beautiful. You see that girl, she says nice things to you. You see that girl, she seems proper and fit. But when your parents see that girl, they're not looking at her as their bride. They're looking to her as a bride for their son or a, a, a spouse for their daughter. And so they're looking through eyes that are different. They're wondering, does that girl clean her room? They're wondering, does that girl know how to wash dishes? 
they're wondering if that girl knows how to cook. Awful quiet in here. <laughs> Parents look at things a little bit differently. When as a father, when you look at a man that's interested in your daughter, you're not looking to find out if he has muscles. You could care less if they have muscles. All right. She might look to find out what his guns look like. I would love to show him what my gun looks like. <laughs> a father looks at a potential for his daughter. Can he hold a job? How does he treat his mother? Is his car clean? My mother, <clears throat> she uh, does some really weird things sometimes. A few years back, I had a car that looked somewhat like another car of one of the members of our church, and my mother decided she was going to clean the car out. So she went to this minivan thinking it was mine, and she starts just cleaning it out. She didn't know it was garbage. She just cleaned, started cleaning it out. A member of our church walked up to her and said, Mrs. Hanks, is everything okay? She says, yes, I just can't understand why Scott leaves garbage in his car. It wasn't my car. I said, Mom, what is wrong with you? Hey, can, can I just tell you that when it comes to your uh, uh, looking at a spouse, we look at things a little bit differently as a parent. And the best thing you can do is allow your parents to be involved. Seth says to Hiles Anderson, he leaves tomorrow to head back to, to Hiles Anderson. And Seth does not like talking to me about, where's, is Seth in here? Where's he at in here tonight? He sits over here, all right, Seth? Raise your hand so everybody knows who I'm talking about. God bless you, okay? So I said, so Seth, while you're at college, you know, have you met anybody yet? Oh, he doesn't like me talking like that. You know? And, uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I just, I'm just curious about what's going on in his life. And he says, no, there's nobody I'm interested in. And then one of the kids pipe up, well, he's got a picture on his phone. <laughs> you okay over there, having a seizure? So I do what all good parents do. I want to see the picture. All right. Now, I look at things different. Now, he's not serious with anybody. He better not be serious with anybody that I know of. But as a parent, I look at things different than he looks at them. All right. And can I tell you, young people, your parents are not this big Gestapo police trying to keep you from every opposite gender person. They're just trying to make sure you meet the right one. They're trying to make sure that you don't get yourself where you fall into an infatuation, and sometimes we call it love, but you fall into an infatuation with somebody that blinds your eyes to where you don't, you don't want to listen to mom and dad. And I'm just telling you, you should have parental involvement when it comes to liking somebody of the opposite gender. So that's the first thing I see as far as there was parental involvement. Number two, think about this. Not only was there parental involvement, I want you to look at verse number 13 with me. All right, verse 13, here's what it says. Okay, it says, behold, this is talking about the servant. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Now, I'm only reading just a verse or two. We could read the whole story, but we cannot take time tonight. But verse 43, he, he, he uh, is telling Laban about 
what just took place in verse number 13. Look at verse 43. He says, Behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water uh, of thy pitcher to drink, and she shall say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Church family, the principle I want you to see is that when this, when this uh, uh, unnamed servant gets to the well, the Bible says more than once, says twice at least, I think it was three times, it says that he stood or he, he, sta- he was standing, in other words, he was waiting by the well. So family, look at the next chapter real quickly here, I think it's right here, oh, I think it's verse, uh, chapter 20, chapter 25, flip over one chapter, chapter 25, look at verse number 20, chapter 25, verse number 20. And Isaac was, how old? 40 years old when he took Rebecca to wife. Now, can, can I tell you that when it comes to finding a bride, you've got to be willing to wait. All right, now I want to tell you, uh, uh, this is just personal experience just from being here over these years, is that uh, girls are the ones that get impatient the most, and they, they start to get impatient about 21, 21, 22, 23. They get to that place, is anybody ever going to marry me? You know, am I ever going to get married? And I want to tell you, church family, I'm not God, and I know it's not comforting, but you're going to have to wait. And if you're a young lady in here, there's nothing you can do about it. Unless you think God, you know, didn't know what he was doing because he made you a female. There was no accidents with God. All righty. And it's no different than my wife and I not being able to have children for all those years. And my wife crying herself to sleep at night because, you know, people who in our mind, bus, people that weren't married. When I say bus, they were, people on, they were picking up on the bus. They were not married. And here they're having children out of wedlock. And we're thinking to ourselves, how come God's giving children to these people? He's not giving children to us. There's nothing, there's, there's no difference in this idea. Well, how come God letting these two people get married and I can't get married and I'm, I've stayed right and they're not even doing right? Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. You've got to wait. You just got to wait and trust the Lord. Now, uh, fellas, um, the Bible says that when God made man, he said it was not good for man to dwell alone. All righty? Uh, when you go to the New Testament, Jesus Christ gave a little bit of reference to this thing, that there are some eunuchs that are chosen by God to be eunuchs and others not to be married. There are some that, are, that choose themselves. And, uh, and he gives three different examples there. But, but can I tell you, for the most part, you fellas in here, it's healthy for you to get married. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get married tomorrow. I'm just saying you ought to be thinking and praying about who the Lord wants you to marry. And I'm not talking to the kids in school. I'm talking to you guys. You're out of school. Uh, it ought to be at the top of your prayer list. God, would you please show me who you want me to marry? And I want to tell you, if you're not careful, the devil's going to bring the wrong one, wrong one by, and you're going to get married because of what you see instead of getting married because of what God says. Are you all with me tonight? So, again, you have to be willing to wait, just like this uh, servant waited. So we see, first of all, there was parental involvement. Number two, we see that there was a willingness to wait, and we need to make sure that we're doing the same thing. All right, number three. Look at verse number 14 with me. Again, I know that we're not reading the whole chapter tonight, but Genesis 24, look at verse number 14. Verse 13, behold, I stand here by the well of water. Verse 14, and, it, and, it, and, it, uh, and let it come to pass, this is his prayer, and let it come to pass, the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast, what's the word? Appointed for thy servant Isaac. All right, now that same word is used in verse 44. And she say to me, both drink thou, and I, uh, and I will also dr- uh, draw for thy camels, for the, let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. Now, church family, the Hebrew word for appointment there was kind of interesting to me because it means to, to be right or correct. 
Now, let's use that phrase in the, in the, in the place of appointment in verse number 14. Let the same be she that thou hast to be right or correct for thy servant Isaac. Now, churchman, can I tell you, there is a person who is right and correct for you. You know how I know that? Because God had somebody appointed for Isaac who was right and correct for him. Listen, I, I, as a pastor and as a person, I have to be careful because when two people come together, and this has happened over the years, it's not mine to judge whether that person is right or correct for the person that they're marrying, okay? There's been many a person that I've married that necessarily in my heart, um, I, didn't, I don't see how they go together, but that's not, mine, that's not mine to judge. But I wanna tell you something, if I was the one getting married, I'd judge. I would think that thing through. I would make sure that's the one that, that God has appointed that is the right one for me. And I wanna tell you how you do that. Number one, you get parental involvement. Number two, you'd be willing to wait, all right? And number three, understand that there's an appointment involved and that God's the one that appoints that person for you. Look at verse 27, Genesis 24, verse number 27 tonight. It says, and he said, the servant, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Look at this next phrase. I being in the way, what happened? The Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Listen to church family. When it comes to our children, it is important that they be in the way so the Lord can lead them. All right. Uh, uh, I say this to you, but really I'm thinking it again in, in my own family's life. Um, it was important for Sharon to go to Hiles Anderson that semester or two that she went there. It was important for John Michael to be here at this college. It was important for God to have them come to this particular church. You know why? Because them being in the way, the Lord led them. You know, uh, if Sharon and John Michael would have gotten together even a semester before they got together, they wouldn't have gotten together. They, they had to be at a particular time and they were at a particular place. Why? Being in the way. You know, God's got a way for your life. Young people, that's why it's important to know, does God want you to go to college and where does he want you, want you to go to college? Does God want you to go to Bible college for a year and what Bible college should you be at? You know why? Because I being in the way, the Lord led me. If you're gonna be, get the appointment for your life, you have to be in the way. You have to be in God's perfect will for your life for you to be able to find out God's appointment for your life. All right? Are you all with me so far? Okay, so God, again, appointed, not only appointed person, but appointed time. God has a correct one for you. All righty? And uh, thank you. You know, we, years ago, I had a lady in our church. She came, I don't know if we were together as a group or not, but I remember her telling me this. She says, I don't know how your wife puts up with you. She says, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not married to you. And I said, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not married to you either. You know, sometimes church family, you know, I'll call my wife down from the pulpit and say, hey, listen, let's go ahead and feed everybody tonight. And, and, and I've had ladies, their jaw drops like, why'd you do that to your wife? You know, God gave me the one that I needed, all righty? Now, there are some points to me that are a little spontaneous, not many, but there are some spontaneous points to me. <laughs> my son comes home today at lunchtime, or, uh, and Silas asked me, and uh, uh, Stacia, how did he word that question about my having the, the dartboard and the prop this morning? He's, pardon me? No, that was, set, yeah. Was that, no, it was, no, it was Silas. My kids wanted to know if I missed the dartboard on purpose. I don't miss things on purpose. That's not going to happen. So. But no, that was not his question. Yes, so Silas says, do you, was it Silas? Yeah. 
you need to pray for him. He's an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> Silas, where is Silas? Is Silas in here? He's over here. Okay. All right. Just raise your hand so they know which, okay, that's not, all right. <laughs> so Silas says to me, do you, uh, do you always wait to the last minute to get your proper illustration, illustration? And, uh, and, and to be honest with you, that, that has happened occasionally. It just so happened that, okay, it happens a lot, all right? All right, it happens a lot. So between Sunday school and the morning service, I'm getting ready to come out. I said, you know what, dartboard would be perfect for that. So I tell Brother Daniel, I said, Brother Daniels, I need a dartboard. That's why he was coming up while the song service was going on, because I had just told him two minutes prior, I need a dartboard for the morning service. Okay, so Silas was asking that question because I'm sure he was one of those trying to hunt down a dartboard for me. And so he said, but you know what? My wife knows I'm like that, okay? And she might not like it, but God gave me the one that I needed for that, okay? Now, you have idiosyncrasies too, all right? Anybody want to testify, okay? And it, the best testimonies would come from your wife, by the way, that you are weird in these particular ways. But you know what? God gave you by appointment the one that you needed in your life that could handle you. That's why God said it's not good for man to dwell alone. I will make him a help meet. All right, that's why God did that. Now, listen to you, you fellows, listen to me tonight. I've got to run tonight because there's some more here. You, some of you guys are at that age now. You're done with high school and you're in college and you're having a good old time and everything's just great and handy. But can I tell you something? You're getting close to that age where you're going to find that person that you're supposed to stay with the rest of your life. Rest of your life. And if I were you, I'd make sure I'd had some parental involvement. And if I were you, I'd make sure I wouldn't hurry it. I'd make sure I'd wait for the one God has for you. Number three, I'd make sure that you get the appointment God has. Look at the next thing as far as this bride for Isaac. Verse number 16, chapter 24. Um, again, I'm just picking out verses. I'm reading the whole story all over again. It says, And the damsel that was Rebekah was very fair to look upon a virgin. When you look at Isaac, obviously Isaac had not known a woman either. I just want to just point out here that both of these were clean and pure. They were virgins. Can I tell you that, you know, you are going to reap what you sow. And I want to tell you, fellas, if you go touching all the girls, you're going to end up marrying a girl that's been touched by several boys. So if you want to marry somebody that's clean and pure, you be clean and pure. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says this, it says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Church family, is it any surprise that the only book of the Bible that was written specifically to young people has more to say about the strange woman than any other book of the Bible? God wrote the book of Proverbs to warn the young man to wait for the one that God has for you. So again, the idea that they were clean and they were virgins. Something else, I want you to look at verse number 12, verse 27, and verse 48, all of them saying basically the same thing. But verse 12 says, and he, the unnamed servant, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee. In verse number 27, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way the Lord led me. In verse number 48, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord. Can I just tell you that there was a prayer for direction? The reason Rebekah was found and came to Isaac is because somebody prayed. Now, I still have several at home, but one of my prayers every day of my life is that my kids marry well. All right. Now, of course, I pray that I'm thankful they're all saved. But my next prayer is that they do God's will for their life and that they marry the one that God has for them. Because you know what? Once they're married, I'm done. If we believe in the leave and cleave principle, a, a man is supposed to, it's mentioned four times in scripture, a man is supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. 
That means when Sharon walked out my door and married John Michael, I am no longer the authority in her life. John Michael is the authority in her life. I'm done. I love Sharon. I pray for Sharon every day, and I pray for the two grandkids every day of my life. But uh, can I tell you, my responsibility, my heaviest responsibility right now is Seth and Samuel and Silas and Stephen and Stephanie and Sarah and Susanna, and the reason for it is because they're not married and they're still in my house. Now listen, church family, if you still have children at home, you ought to be praying every, every day of your life. God, please keep them pure and clean and please bring them to the one that you want them to marry so they can have a happy marriage. Young person, if I were you, I'd be praying right now. God, whoever that person you want me to marry, would you please keep them, would you protect them, would you keep them safe from harm and sin, and Lord, would you bring them across my path and bring us together. Hey, the same church family, Rebecca was a woman. Isaac was a man. They were not angels and they were not supernatural. What God did for them, he still does for us. Amen. So when you look at them, I just want you to understand that there was a prayer for God's direction. Next thing, all right? I've got a hustle. I've got two more here. Look at the next thing. Look at chapter 24. Look at the last verse. 24, verse number 67. And Isaac brought her, Rebekah, brought her unto his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he what? And he loved her. Now church, I mean, that word love in the scriptures, it's usually, uh, it's usually one of two, um, especially in the Greek. But in the Greek, you've got the word agape, which means a one-way love. It's the kind of love that God has toward us. The word love, the English word love can also be, it's a, it's a Greek word also, it's phileo which is a man's love, and that's what this particular love is. It means simply to have an affection for, to have an affection for. I, I want two kids to come, two kids, two young adults. I want two young adults to come together that are of a spiritual nature. I want to have a boy and a girl that come together that they want to read their Bible and they want to be in church and they want to tell people about Christ. And they, I want them to be spiritual, okay? Now listen to what I'm about to say next. I have had young people that are both good kids, both spiritual, but there's no spark. Do I need to define that? There's no affection. Church family, this idea of, well, as long as they're both spiritual, they'll have a great marriage. Think about this for a second. You have to kiss that thing the rest of your life. true. I want to tell you something. You ought to want to kiss that thing. If you're going to marry him, you ought, you ought to want to kiss it. Come on. There, it's in the Bible. There ought to be an affection that I want that person. And can I tell you, that's the way God made the physical side of us to want that person. This idea, well, bless God, as long as they're, as long as they're spiritual. I want to tell you how long that's going to last. Not long, okay? So when two people like each other, I always have to ask him, man, great, you know, the guy makes his bed, praise the Lord, he loves his mother, you know, he works, that's great. But do you love him? Do you have an affection for him? If you don't have an affection for him, you do not marry him just because he's got character. You marry him because you want him. What do you think he's looking at me strange for? I don't know why my dad allowed it, but my brother had a sign at, above his door in his room when he was in high school. And the sign above my brother's door, every time he walked out the door, the sign was above his door. I don't know where he got it, I don't know even why he had it, but I'll never forget it. It said this, kiss and don't last, cook and do. 
He should have, but I just want to tell you, kissing's important too. All right? My wife and I are not affectionate in, in public. I just, I've never been that way. My brother's just the opposite, man. He can put a lip hold on his, his wife in public, in front of anybody. It doesn't bother him, okay? My, my brother, he's embarrassing, in fact. I mean, he's just simply embarrassing, okay? My wife and I aren't like that. I don't mind holding hands. I'm going to arm my wife. Uh, you know, but I'm not the kind of person, you know, let's go after it in front of everybody. I'm not that kind of person. Okay? But I love my wife. And I'm going to leave it there. Because my wife is looking at me right now. <laughs> and all I'm trying to say is, is when you come across the person you want to marry, I really believe with all my heart that you're not going to second guess do I really want to be with him or her? Can I love her? There's something about marriage that when you find the right one, you can't live without them. It's not going to be scratching my head. I wonder if this is the one or not. If you're scratching your head, it's not the one. Because you know. All right? And you're going to know for several reasons. And, let, and I don't want to discredit the spirituality of a person. Because I want to tell you something. You marry somebody who's unspiritual, you're going to be living with that the rest of your life too. All righty? All right, one last thing and I'm done. Look at chapter 24, verse number 50. Chapter 24, verse number 50 says this, Then Laban and Bethuel, Bethuel was actually uh, Rebekah's father. Laban was her brother. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing pro proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee good, uh, bad or good. All right, so in other words, her father gave his consent. His father gave, his con gave, her, gave consent. John Michael, when he was going to marry Sharon, he came to me and says, hey, listen, I'd like to marry your daughter. Is that okay? I've heard all kinds of stories. You know, the father takes his gun out and sets it down. You know, the, the, guy, the father gives the guy a hard time. I was just glad Sharon was getting married. <laughs> Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Go get married. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just, I, I was just thankful that the Lord brought somebody along that was a good Christian, that wanted to do right, that loved her. And I will say this. I mean, Sharon and I, Again, because of the adoptive thing, it's, it is what it is, whether you like it or not. Uh, Sharon and I, have all, personally, have always had a rough relationship. But I want to tell you something. John Michael loves her to death. Loves her to death. It's almost like she can do no wrong. Good thing he didn't talk to me. You know what? I'm glad he loves her. Because he wouldn't be staying with her if he didn't love her. There's part of that, again, goes back to that idea that you love a person. And by the way, you can put up with a person's fault to a degree when you really love them. All right? Again, that's another message. But now here's the last thing I want you to think about. As far as the idea of getting the father's consent. Girls, how you treat your father is how you're going to treat your husband. This is just how it is. It's kind of a rule of thumb. You know, I don't know what to tell you. The, Bible, the only Bible verse that we really have to go on is, as is the mother, so is the daughter. Basically, you're going to act like your mother, all righty? So all those things you don't like about your mother, they're inside of you whether you like that or not. It's just part of the, part of the it's fact, all righty? I'm very thankful there's not a Bible verse that says the son is a chip off the old block. There's no Bible verse, all righty? So it's always the mother's fault, just so you know, all righty? Now, I would just recommend this too. If you come from a, uh, come from a home where um, dad's not there, your dad didn't do right, maybe he's not there, you ought to lean heavily on your mother. If you've got a mother that stuck it out and has been faithful and she's taking care of you, you ought to be getting her advice. You ought not just go get married and you ought not just go do your own thing. 
You ought to communicate with your parents when you like somebody. Now, my, my, uh, let's see here. Um, Seth and Samuel both are 18, correct? 18. Um, and, and they're going to college. They don't have anybody on the line. At least they haven't told me about them yet. They know because of my preaching that once they mention it, that the radar is on. So, you know, they're friends with everybody right now because they know if, you know, if they're interested in this one person, dad's going to be like, you know, hawk on meat or something. I don't know. But, but can I tell you, if, as far as a child, you ought to be able to talk to your mom and dad because your mom and dad, number one, are going to pray. Number two, your mom and dad are going to give you advice. Whether you like it or not, they're going to give you right advice. They're going to talk to you about that person. You need to communicate with your mom and dad. And you fellas, when you get to that age where you're going to get married, go talk to the father and let them know I'm interested in your daughter. You, by the way, there's nothing wrong with doing that before you ever get to a place of asking to marry, for marriage. I just want you to know I'm interested in your daughter. Now you say, well, they're going to be watching me. Okay, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, I guess you don't have anything to worry about. All right, so again, there's just several principles in this passage here. You know, I will say this. You do not have to follow every detail of Rebecca and Isaac, all righty? Like, you know, for instance, I don't think you have to wait till you're age 40. I don't think you have to marry somebody you've never met. And I don't think you have to look for camels to water. All right, so you've cleared yourself in a lot of areas, all righty? Hey, young people, look at me, and I'm done tonight. I love you, and your parents love you. Your parents love you more than I could ever love you, and God loves you more than both of us put together. But I want to tell you, the biggest thrill to a parent is what Brother Moody's going to experience on Saturday. When Landon, now he might not like it, but it's still the biggest thrill, is that when he walks his daughter down, and Landon's, Landon's down here at the front, and I come to the front, and I say, who giveth this woman in marriage? And Brother Moody says, her mother and I, and he takes that hand of his daughter, which is a sign of authority as him being the authority, and he transfers that authority to Landon and gives her hand in marriage. And Landon becomes the authority in her life. And they walk to the front, and Brother Mooney goes and sits down. I would be shocked if he, there's not a tear that trickles down his eye, knowing that he has spent these years of his life raising his children for this purpose, and that's to give them in marriage. Now, you young people, don't disappoint your mom and dad. You, you stay right. You be clean. You communicate with your mom and dad. Because I want to tell you something. If you do that, God's got an appointment in his time, in his place. And you might meet that one that you're going to marry for the rest of your life at a college. You might meet that person in this church. You might meet them at some gathering somewhere. But I know this one thing, if you'll stay in the way, the Lord will lead you. You just wait on the Lord and trust him. God will bring the right one. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment.